0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly. Written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold.
1: Hey friends, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum, Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. This week's episode is with Kina Aragon. Kina is an editor, spoken word poet, and most recently, a published author. Today we talk about how a childhood friend pointed her toward Jesus, she shares a spoken word piece with us, and all about how her book, Love Made, came to be. You will get to hear its beautiful words read by my oldest son. Listen to what Kena has to say about the writing of her children's book, Love Made. It came
2: straight out of prayer. Um, I was, the beginning of my pregnancy, I wasn't extremely grateful to be pregnant. And at the time I was, uh, we were pretty newly married. Um, But by the end of the pregnancy, after health scares and stuff, uh, realizing what a blessing this actually is, I just remember, like I said, praying. And as I'm praying, I'm just thinking of the Trinity. And um, I remember hearing a John Piper sermon years, years prior to that, uh, talking about this concept of, God being the Trinity, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the joy within the Trinity bubbling over to make creation. And that had just always stuck with me.
1: Hey, Kino, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Thank you for being here today.
2: Thank you for having me. Um, It's a privilege.
1: Will you take a moment and introduce us to you and your family and what you do?
2: Sure. Uh, My name's Kina Aragon. I live in Tampa, Florida with my husband, John, and my daughter, JL, who's three years old. We are members of Living Faith Bible Fellowship here in Tampa, serve as the small group ministry leaders, and then we, we lead small groups ourselves. And I find myself writing, sometimes editing, and sometimes performing spoken word poetry.
1: I love it. I love that you're from Tampa because we were talking earlier and I spent eight years. It's where all my kids were born. We're in Tampa. And then my husband's from Largo, Florida. So it's nice to have someone on this show from Tampa that I didn't know while I lived there.
2: Yes. I, we love Tampa. I love Florida. I feel like I can't live anywhere that's too far from the beach. Cause that's oh, just... yeah.
1: Did you grow up near the beach? Always. Pretty much. I, I grew up in Orlando. Okay.
2: So you know, it wasn't too bad of a drive to get to the beach, but that was like a regular thing. So yeah. yeah, I
1: mean, Orlando to Tampa is just so fast. It's unbelievable.
2: Yes. It's nice to be close enough to my family to where we can still go visit them a lot.
1: Right. Well, take us back and fill our listeners in on just when your faith journey began and tell us a little bit about how you met Jesus.
2: Well, I grew up in the Catholic church. I'm mixed uh, ethnically. So I was born in the Philippines. I'm part Filipino, part Puerto Rican, part Jamaican. Um, and the reason I mentioned that uh, is because my mom growing up in the Philippines, they were Catholic. So I was raised pretty much in that sort of household. I went to Catholic school, Catholic church, or mass. Growing up, first to eighth grade, I was in Catholic school. And I think that was all fine and dandy at the time, but really, I I never really understood about the gospel or anything. I never understood what it meant that Jesus died for me and resurrected. Um, It was very much the workspace righteousness, uh, religious... Practice for me. But around middle school time, I began to ask in my religion classes um, how can we believe? How can we know for sure things like the virgin birth is true? Or what if Islam's true and not Christianity? And um, typically the answers I would get from my teachers were to just have faith. Um, But there wasn't necessarily an object to my faith. I wasn't necessarily pointed to the word of God or what what God has done in in history, which is recorded in the word of God. But if I'm honest, I wasn't really asking from a genuine place. I just mm. wanted to debate. Right, and argue. Be a little I did, difficult. I did, yeah, <laughs> be difficult. I was very much so interested in always about my status, my reputation, Pride was my God. And once I got into a big public school to play basketball for them, I just began to see my self-righteousness get confronted by my slavery to sin. Meaning when I went into freshman year, I would say, "I, I would never do this or that. I would never, only these types of girls do this. And sure enough, my freshman and sophomore year started to see my sin snowball in all kinds of ways, particularly in lust. And that was really something that God used to help me see that I'm, as Jesus says, you know, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. And thankfully, He brought a friend into my life who was in my English class. And then she ended up playing on my volleyball team. And I, at first, liked her because she would get all the points for our team. Oh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I,
1: I was the popular kid. Idiot.
2: Yeah just wanted to be her friend because of that but then as I got to know her I saw something different about her and as I got to know her family saw something very different about them namely love uh, the way that they interacted with each other and showed each other grace it was so drastically different for me to experience that that I was very I just wanted to know what was going on (laughs) (laughs) like why was that happening why were they like that and my friend had shared with me that she has a uh, relationship with Jesus and with God through Jesus. And I was like, okay, I've never heard of that relationship. What is that? So soon after that, God began to really just draw me to himself and realize that I was empty and that there was nothing that was going to satisfy me. I was popular. We were well off. I had everything that I guess a high schooler might dream of, um, the boyfriend, all the the whole nine, and none of it was satisfying me. And so God used that sense of emptiness to really lead me to just open one of the bibles i had in my room in the middle didn't know what i was doing but it ended up on psalm 69 and in that psalm it's language that's like i'm drowning please save me and i just resonated with the language of the bible because i thought it was literally a whole book of commands and that and i thought it was all in king james that i can understand (laughs) that type of english (laughs) so i was just really shocked to see that type of um language and expression in the Bible. And I was like, I feel like that. And I reached out to my friend and said, can you explain more of this God stuff to me? And she was, of course, willing to share the gospel with me. And that's, I was 16 at the time. So that's when, um, the Lord really grabbed me and saved me.
1: Wow. Well, and since that time, like you shared earlier, you do spoken word, you're a poet, you edit a lot of books, articles, you're a writer yourself, and you have used those gifts beautifully to glorify the Lord. Will you share with us a little bit about your gifting and how you have used those gifts to bring glory to God?
2: So that's interesting as far as the poetry side. I've always loved writing. I've always loved grammar and that. Sort of thing. But as far as poetry or any sort of creative writing, I was not very good at. Then the Lord saved me in high school. And I think that was my junior year in high school. And the girl who had shared the gospel with me, I remember seeing her two older sisters do this spoken word, which is just like performance poetry piece that they wrote and performed it for their mom on her 50th birthday. And I just saw a little video clip of it. And I just was really struck by that. I was like, that's really cool. I, I didn't really know much about it before. Of course, I've always loved hip hop and stuff, but didn't know much about spoken word as an art form. And after the Lord saved me, of course, I'm like journaling and just growing in my relationship with God, reading the Bible. And in my journal, what would often the way my prayers or just thoughts would often come out is uh, through poetry. So that was kind of surprising to me. I had an English teacher, she encouraged me to just memorize one of my poems and perform it. So I did, and it went well. And so pretty much after that, I I started to see the ways people would resonate with what was being said, even if they weren't Christian, or it would challenge them in different ways. Through a lot of encouragement from other people, I've just continued doing it. I mean, I I think naturally, I guess because I know the Lord now and as I grow, it's just it has become a natural thing for me to just write through poetry and process through poetry. But the performing piece has taken a lot of people pushing me, <laughs> encouraging wow. me and saying, go, go do that. Because uh, I think comfortability level wise, uh, editing is the most comfortable thing for me to do because it's very, you know, rule based. And, you know, you well, and I had
1: read on your Instagram that you're an introvert. Is that correct? yeah yeah you just thought, yeah, yeah I mean, so I'm sitting here thinking like, yeah, that does take a huge step to get up in front of a yeah. crowd of people and perform spoken word when it's kind of like, I'd rather just be the one back here right- doing the writing,
2: yeah, exactly, so it's like editing is most comfortable then writing is a little scarier because it's your own you know words, yes. and you have to be a little more creative. And then performing is a whole other level. I hate it, love it. Right, right. (laughs) I I love it as soon as I'm done. Well,
1: how do you enjoy doing the videos, though? Because you have some videos that are very moving. And, I mean, hopefully whoever listens to this will, you know, I mean, I'll put in the show notes, your website and just some links to the videos because you've created some beautiful spoken word videos.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Actually. Yes. That's a good point. The videos I love doing. Okay. Uh, I like thinking through video concepts. I like, especially if you have a good team you're working with, as I did with the the listen and live um, short film, spoken word, short film, I had a great team. And so I actually love thinking through that stuff. It's almost like you get to do film almost, and of course, with editing, things sound good and look good. So (laughs) it's not—it's definitely not as scary as performing. It's—it's the live aspect exactly. (laughs) which I guess is spoken word in its rawest form. Uh, That's the part that scares me more. But I do love, I love creating videos. And um, my husband's a creative in pretty much every sense, um, particularly with visuals and stuff. So he, he, we tend to work together whenever I do um, any sort of spoken word video. So that can be nice and difficult.
1: (laughs) Yes. I feel you. Has, I feel you. <laughs> it's like start
2: taking stuff personal when it's it's not. But at the same time, we really appreciate that God has kind of allowed our gifts to complement in that way,
1: right? And having—I mean, it is nice. My husband at times have said, "Oh, you know, come alongside me and be an assistant for a couple of different things in his office." And I've thought. Ooh, this could be really, really good because I would have f- yeah. the freedom to make some choices, but it could be, it could really rock the vote too. <laughs> right.
2: Yes, it does. A lot of, are you mad at me? Oh no, I'm just focused. <laughs> that That's right. Thing, so. Well, and I'm
1: a strong personality. And so, mm. I mean, if you're not a strong personality, it's it's almost hard to imagine. But if you are, it's like, um, I have a hard yeah. time sometimes taking direction, which is not good. So Right.
0: I hear you. I hear
1: you. <laughs> well, will you take a moment and share a little bit? Bit spoken word with us,
2: sure. Okay, um, so that's why you can't tell people you do spoken word. That's then, right. That's like we're gonna you call people... you to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking what what I would share. So this is like a um, a summary of Genesis one and two. So what does it mean to be made in the image of God? This is from Listen and Live. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth with words. He'd speak, and things would just. B. he brought order from the chaos of the sea no rivals threatened his reign because he made everything but moses says that when god made us he breathed into dust a careful craftsman replicating royal image to cover every inch of the earth our existence meant partnering with god in his mission to cultivate all terrain and flourish like a garden well watered a fruitful people friends with their God. That's Genesis one and two.
1: Wow. So when you're sitting down and you're writing, when you're looking at passages, does that truly just come to you or you just kind of look at a theme? And I mean, how does some of that come together?
2: It depends. Some of it is like Love Made, my book. I wrote that in one sitting after I prayed. And that is typically a common theme for me is that I'm spending time with the Lord, I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible, working through a study. And sometimes it'll come out just in one sitting. And I just, that's just how I'm processing it. Other times, like with the Listen and Live short film, I was tasked to do that. I was asked to give a summary of Genesis through Numbers, the first four books of the Bible. And so that was, you know, obviously praying because I'm terrified to do that, but also (laughs) uh, going and studying you know, different things so that I can better understand the storyline. And then just in that case, just sitting with a computer and writing and rewriting and editing and all of that good stuff. Um, But typically things start in my journal, handwritten as I'm spending time with the Lord.
1: Right. Well, speaking of your recent endeavor, you just released your first children's book, Love Made, and we will give our listeners the opportunity to hear it being read by my oldest son, Bennett.
0: Love Made, written by Kina Aragon, illustrated by Scotty Refsnyder. Before God made the heavens and the earth, he lived in perfect joy. He delighted in himself, one forever existing perfect being, father, son, and spirit, all one. There are no trees yet, no blue sky. There were no bees yet. There was no time. Just God in His glory, reflecting back beauty on Himself. The Father enjoying the Son, and the Son right back. The Spirit rejoicing in it all. No need for anything. No lack. The joy God had within Himself was so great, so big. He let it spill over into what we call creation. You should have seen it. In six days, He spoke words that turned into life. First light then sky, then earth with fruit trees, then sun, moon, and stars, then birds flying, fish swimming, then all the animals that live and crawl on the ground, all that moo and all that growl. And all of it was good. With it, all God was pleased. But on the sixth day, God made something new, something unique, something to rule over the rest, his greatest art piece, something so much like him, He called them his image, and with them, his children, God was very pleased. So do you know who he made on that sixth day? People like you and me. Can you imagine the happiness God felt to see? All that he made out of love, not out of need. The Father loving the Son, and the Son right back. The Spirit rejoicing in it all. A perfect love union, forever intact. And now all that he made in six days was an overflow of that. God's happiness within himself bubbled over to make creation, sharing with them his joy, allowing them to know and praise him. You see, God is love, the Father, the Spirit, the Son, and love love so much that love made us. Love caused creation. And you know what? Daddy and I know what it's like to love so much that something new, actually, someone new, became true. Someone made out of our love Someone who gets to share our hugs. Someone beautiful who came to be when we became one. Someone who reminds us of God's delight in us. Do you know who that someone might be made from love between Daddy and me? Is it a tree? Is it a fruit? Is it a fish? A bird? A moose? No, no, no. None of those things will do. Our love made someone so special, so loved. And that someone is you! Read by Bennett Cullum, age 9 years old. No, how
1: did it come about? Walk us through that process,
2: the book itself. So I told you, I wrote the poem in one sitting after I'd prayed, I was pregnant. And then I ended up really writing it. And then realizing I could share it for my friend's um, baby shower, because she had asked me to share something uh, there. So I did that. That was that. And then I thought this could be a kid's book, I think, but I don't know anything. You know, I don't know anybody in that industry and so I decided instead I'll do a spoken word video and my friend Chris Powers who does the animations for Full of Eyes ministry which is kind of big on YouTube he agreed to make a video an animation for that spoken word piece and I had my friend Alex Hitchens create an original track for it as well he produced the music so we came together and created this video that to me that was all we were going to do with Love Made as a poem and that video released like at the end of 2016. And that was really sweet, thought it went well. That was that. And then like a few months later, I think it was the Gospel Coalition shared that uh, animation video. And a literary agent who I had never met saw that article from the Gospel Coalition and reached out to me and said, this should be a children's book. What do you think? And I thought, this is sketch. I, I'm not gonna. I don't know who this guy is. or He's probably. It's like probably a scam. Um, but I looked him up and he was legit. So wow. I was like, oh wow, and it was crazy because before he reached out, I had just prayed God. If that's just something I I want to look into right. children's literature, but I didn't have any like set plans of how I was gonna go about that. I just prayed about it like once and um,
1: not a God moment.
2: I know it's like the whole process of it becoming a book is just. This huge theme is really just prayer. So that's how I got connected to him. And then the rest is kind of history. He helped me create a proposal and a couple of uh, publishing companies made a couple offers. And I ended up going with Harvest House. And yeah, it's just been a a privilege to do that.
1: I know. And the illustrations in the book are absolutely gorgeous. And I'm always struck by how people end up being paired with illustrators. Was it someone you knew or just someone? No.
2: Yeah. He actually was my publishing company knew about him okay and so they had given me a few different options of illustrators and he was definitely the best in my opinion so his name's Scotty and he's incredible he's worked with like Pixar I think Disney so he worked with little old me
1: (laughs) yeah well the images are gorgeous and so I'm going to share something from the end of the book it says you see God is love the father the spirit the son and love loved so much that love made us Love caused creation. And when I read that, I just think about how difficult it can be to wrap our minds around the breadth and the depth, you know, of God's love. It's just so hard. And I think in our culture where we are constantly promoting love, but it's not the same kind of love that we're often promoting. Mm. Share with our listeners just some insight into the end of that book, because I know that you wrote it um, and shared it at a friend's baby shower. And so if you can think back, you know, what was kind of going through your head when you were writing those words? Uh,
2: Man, like I said, it came
1: straight out of prayer. Um, I
2: was, the beginning of my pregnancy, I wasn't extremely grateful to be pregnant. And at the time I was, uh, we were pretty newly married. Um, But by the end of the pregnancy, after health scares and stuff, uh, realizing what a blessing this actually is, I just remember, like I said, praying. And as I'm praying, I'm just thinking of the Trinity. And um, I remember hearing a John Piper sermon years, years prior to that, uh, talking about this concept of God being the Trinity, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the joy within the Trinity bubbling over to make creation, and that had just always stuck with me, Um, but in my prayer, as I'm thanking God to be a parent, to be a mom, uh, that connection between the act of creation as an overflow of the joy of the Trinity to the act of creation or the creating a a child uh, as an overflow of the joy between parents. Yeah, cool. That really, really struck me. And just the implications when you think of God being Trinity, uh, God being the Trinity, God being three, one God and, and three persons eternally, and God being love. Yeah, The implications of that are just immense. And this is just one of those implications. So that's kind of I don't know. I was just really thankful. It was just very worshipful uh, for me in that moment.
1: I know. And it, that's the thing. It's really hard to describe the true depth of God's love and how he just comes around us and encircles us. And like you said, because he's always been in fellowship with this, you know, three in one, It's it's just mm-hmm. really indescribable. How I end the show is with a couple of questions. So I'm going to ask you outside of salvation, what is a time in your life where you feel that you could do nothing except cling to the grace of God?
0: Hmm.
2: So many times. I know.
1: Uh, a <laughs> pick one. Uh,
2: one time was out of college when I, with my pretty much perfect GPA, couldn't find a job and uh, was basically unemployed for like six months and oh broke and pretty depressed. Uh, And I ended up going to biblical counseling. Thankfully, my church had someone who who did counseling. And um, I thought I was going there because I'm depressed about unemployment. What God was actually up to more so was uh, amazingly starting to root out a huge idol in my life, uh, namely uh, friendship idolatry, if you can Mm -hmm. call it that, relationship idolatry, uh, the ways that I would overly uh need or overly yeah need the approval of of friends so different things were happening in that season that God just used to root out that idol and thankfully I was already in counseling so it allowed for me to see a little more clearly uh what the lord might be up to uh, i remember reading an article about this sort of idolatry from a woman named ellen dykes i believe and i felt like the article could have said Tina, this is your heart. <laughs> like, this is for you. Um, I remember reading that in my room. And I lived with a bunch of other girls, but I remember reading that in my room and I just wept and wept. And I was like, I don't know, God, how to deal with it. I don't, this has like been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Help. And I remember just weeping on the floor of my room. And I really feel like at that, from that moment, God really began to, to transform me in a lot of ways. And now I look back on that moment with a lot of gratitude because you want to live free from sin. You don't want to keep walking in the same sins you've been uh, walking in. Um, But in the moment, it didn't feel good at all. Uh, I just know I needed God.
1: I'm so thankful for biblical counseling. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) Amen. Yes. I mean, not that God can't do it and doesn't do it through other circumstances and situations and by a spirit, but God knows I need someone to point it out to me. And so I'm so thankful for it. Well, tell me, is there an area of your life where you feel like you need to pour out grace more to others? Yes,
2: all the time. Uh, One, I'm more the most recent thing that I'm convicted about is sometimes my selfishness with my physical, literal neighbors. Oh, wow. I actually live in a pretty uh, friendly neighborhood. And when we moved here, I was like, great new mission field, you know, excited meeting people and people are so open. And so that's been great. But more recently, like I would say in the last six to 12 months of getting busier with work and projects and stuff, I've noticed my own heart just becoming pretty selfish with my time. Like, oh, no, that person's going to talk to me.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I can get, totally stop. relate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let me get this trash out and, and hurry up because uh, I got to turn this thing in. And really, that's loveless because hmm. most of them do not know the Lord. And uh, that's my opportunity right there. So I need to pour out grace and, yeah, die to myself in that for sure.
1: Yes, I can totally relate to that. Not so much in my neighborhood, but in other situations. Well, lastly, if you had the opportunity to sit down with your great grandkids and offer them some wisdom, what's something you'd like to share with them?
2: I love that question. I think I would say dig deep into the love of God that mm. you you can't even imagine the best of human love is like a drop in the ocean of God's love is nothing compared to how much God has shown his love for you in Christ Jesus. So I just want, I would want like Paul prayed for the Ephesians that you would, God would give you strength to know the height and the width mm-hmm. and the depth and the breadth of this, this love for you that is in Christ and make that your mission because from that will flow pretty much everything.
1: I love it. Well, Kino, where can we find you on the web? Oh, on the web, I was going to give you my address. Um, but
2: on the web, you no, can you don't want right. anybody driving. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> Unless you bring food,
1: don't that's come my right, house. That's right. <laughs> You've got enough people around your yeah. neighborhood, <laughs> right?
2: Um, my website is Tina Aragon. Q U I N A Aragon is A R A G O N dot and on um, Instagram and Twitter, it's the, it, I feel old. It's, do you call it at
1: the at symbol? Or I mean, I think handle? it is the oh, at right. symbol. I don't, okay, listen, whatever. if you think you're old, I'm really old. <laughs> no, I'm-
2: I don't know things anymore but anyways it's kina underscore aragon on uh, instagram and twitter
1: awesome and i'll make sure i link those things and please take the opportunity to check out love made we all have children in our life and it is a truly wonderful book and i'll make sure that i put links up to that too thanks so much Thank for you. being here oh my pleasure thanks for having me i hope you enjoyed today's episode be sure to check out the show notes for links and resources at graceenoughpodcast.com be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play and subscribe. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the Grace Enough Podcast. If you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag Grace Enough Podcast or tag me at Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you
0: for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.